0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings, and as always, joined by Ben Bergeron. Every week here on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence, and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show. How the heck are you, Ben? I'm doing great. Excited to chat. As always, we're going to, uh, what we've got coming up this episode, we've got listener questions about lifting heavy as we get older, balancing entrepreneurship and family, and enjoying the journey of getting healthy. Our workout this week is going to be a conversation about stress. And we're going to wrap it up with another roundup of the podcast, books, and activities we've been enjoying lately. Let us get into it. We start each episode with your questions about the five factors of health, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Those factors, how we eat, how we move, how we think, how we connect, and how we recover. First question is in the move category, as it always is. I don't have a name here, but I've been doing CrossFit for the last 10 years. I'm 41 now and feel like my strength is struggling and I'm starting to get recurring injuries. Is there a point as we age where lifting heavy should be reduced? If so, what should my focus be going forward?
1: Uh, to answer that question, I would need to know two things. So um, should it be reduced? I don't know how much they're lifting now, right? So um, without answering the specific, let's talk about the generalities of lifting as you get older, particularly as you get past the age of 40, when you do that, you start, it's part of, guess what? It's part of the natural process of being a living thing on planet earth. And for us, that typically happens at the age of 40 is you're going to start to lose muscle mass. What science has shown though is lifting weights can not only combat against the speed of that decline, it can actually stop, or depending on who you are, what you're starting part, it can actually reverse and you can you can gain muscle mass as you age. Why is that important? Muscle is one of muscle mass is one of the strongest correlates to living a long and healthy life. Like it matters. You want muscle on your body. So is there a time when you should stop or slow down? The answer is actually the opposite. You should actually be posting more, depending on this What I don't know. If you are a bodybuilder or a power lifter beforehand, yep. the answer is probably be yes, you yeah, should back More might not there. be the answer. <laughs> right, so this is where it's like this weird of like, yeah. is it more or less, I don't know. The answer is you should be doing it. And it should be a, a priority and a focus. If you've only forever done yoga and dance and running, this is a thing that we want to start to incorporate as we get north of 40 because of how important it is. And as we do it, we want to make sure we're trying to, if we're able to and we feel comfortable and comfortable, we want to do it with the compound movements, which is squat, dead, and press. Pull is also really good, but those are the really foundational ones. Um, and then what we want to be able to do is do that this is the second part of the question is like, should we reducing heavy, like quote, quote, heavy. It needs to be heavy enough that you need to resist. There needs to be a, a, a quote struggle. Your muscles have to resist, have to have to be working. So if you're grabbing five pound dumbbells and doing little curls, technically you're lifting. Yeah, but you're not going to get what we're (laughs) looking for there. Right. Is it better than doing nothing? Yes, it is. Is it better than, so like if you grab like, you see the women doing their little classes and they grab the three pound ones and they're just like kind of doing their aerobics while holding this weight in their hand. Is that better than not holding weight in their hand? Yes, it is. But what we really want to do is get to the point where it's a challenge to do another couple reps, mm-hmm. which they never really get to. They just kind of get a a, a, a burn. Um, so we we don't need to be lifting above 85%. Ever to be able to accomplish this. I say it again, you don't need to be testing how strong you are. Mm. That's not that's not a necessity. Now, do you need to be lift lifting past 40% of your one rep max? I believe you do. I think anything uh south of that, we're getting closer to that aerobics class with resistance thing. But lifting somewhere in that 50 to 85%, if we're lifting in the 50%, we might be doing sets of 10 to 20. If we're lifting even 30, right? Hello, CrossFit. If we're lifting in that 75%, we might be doing sets of five to 10. If we're lifting the 85%, we might be doing sets of two to three, maybe depending on your lifting experience, even up to five. So that's where we kind of want to live. Next question
0: is in our think category, and this is from Kathleen. I'm a stay-at-home mom that has an online teaching job and is currently in the beginning stages of running a market flower farm. I've listened to Whoa, Ben. Yeah, cool. Right. I've listened to Ben talk about his dividing uh, dividing his time and focus between work and family so we can completely focus on work at work and family at home. My struggle as a stay-at-home mom that also works at home is how to make these divisions when my two worlds are very uh, are very blended. I'm having so much trouble finding balance between kids and work and it always seems like I'm falling uh, failing in one category or the other. I also struggle with the random distractions that young kids bring to your day, which makes sticking to a schedule such a struggle.
1: Yeah. Um so I've I figured out a system for me, but my system is not going to work for Kathleen. Kathleen because that's it's not my system. And um what I would like I think that you probably should answer this one because this is your life. You are a a, a work from home. Yep
0: hundred percent. Is your system, you bought a building and then you go there every day? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because that's a good system. Well, the system was like, so the way it failed and the way I fell into it was like, I'm an entrepreneur. The reason I got into this was because go, I got on my schedule. So I'm going to go home at three o'clock every day and do work at home. And that was a debacle. Yeah. So, and thank God Heather called me out. She's like, you're not, I was doing. uh, A lot of things not well. I was doing a lot of things really not well. Yeah when I'm here, now our kids don't even come to work here. It's like, they used to do that too. They used to like, I remember. I have young kids, yeah. they'll be at the gym and like, do it. and it's like, nope, like this is for work and that is for home, but that's not going to help Kathleen. So what is your, what's your.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, you're, you've answered it. I think the, the most important thing is being okay to divide your time between one thing and the other. And oftentimes when those things bleed, it's because you feel badly or guilty or like, I should be doing this, And I'm doing the other thing. And so let me see if I can straddle both these lines. And invariably, you will feel like you are doing a bad job at all the things versus – being really disciplined and even if it's really disciplined with less time than you would prefer which is the answer but how do you do that
1: like in like how do you set up your environment for that so like like i know you've done it with yep. like you have like a uh, shed in the back we literally that's built amazing a, right yeah. but that's almost like a cheat because you're going to work yep. and you have a separation of like the physicality space yep. if you didn't have that and you were in your in your house for the so course. how did you do it that
0: uh the real answer is that assuming that they're assuming Kathleen has somebody taking care of the kid while she's supposed to be at work, quote unquote, at work. The real secret is that the other person has to treat your work time as seriously as you do. The only reason I like we were literally recording pod like this is during the pandemic. We were recording podcasts while I had a two and a half, three year old, seven feet away from me. And it was only because my wife took it seriously that yep. her job for that hour while we were recording something was to make sure he was playing with something, distracted with something, quiet mm. upstairs, outside, whatever. So that's the real answer Kathleen can't do it yeah. by herself. So- is that
1: really the answer? So if Kathleen is a, is a single mom, this she's like, single
0: home, that, that, then this that, can't be done to, to your is uh, that's not my situation so yeah okay yeah i could we don't guess that, at it right it's but, just if that's, that but my guess is that she, it's unlikely that she's has an online teaching job is starting a market flower farm and a mom without having somebody there with the kid during those hours of the day that she's dedicated to this is my teaching this is my start etc like i'm presuming that she's got something there and so if things are falling apart the answer isn't well like how do I do this thing better? It's I need to I need to talk to the person who's supposed to be helping me here and make sure that they understand the importance of the three hours in the in the morning that I've said this is my teaching time or my flower time whatever it is because without that the kid's yeah. gonna run in there yep. and you're gonna feel like like yep. you and I What's do kids? kid yep. comes in the room like you're not gonna be like get out of here kid yes. like Kathleen's not gonna do that yes and so like so many things you've got to set the environment up for your success and in this case. The environment being successful is that somebody else respects the time that you've allocated for work as much as she does. That's the answer. Cool. Next question is eat, in the eat category from Sarah. I've been really focusing on my health and losing body fat for about eight months now. I work with a nutritionist and CrossFit every day, except Sundays. I've lost almost 30 pounds and recently I've been noticing weight loss. Nice job, Sarah. Uh, I've noticed weight loss has been slowing down. I am now 183 pounds. I'm in this for being healthier 10 years from now than I am now. Any tips on to help keep perspective or enjoy the journey more? So now is the sticky port for her. So how does yeah. she keep enjoying that?
1: Well, it's so the first part is just the understanding of the law of diminishing returns, right? As you get closer towards your end goal, um, moving the percentage become more and more challenging. Whether you talk about that in terms of uh, um, the amount of work that is required to move the same uh, amount of distance when you get that much closer to it, it's kind of like Um, imagine a really sharp spiking curve, you know, you've seen those, like the, the stocks that go shooting up. Well, in the beginning, it's just this like little growth, little growth, little growth. Well, if you have to push a boulder up that in the beginning, it's easier. When you get to that hockey stick point, that inflection point, it takes so much work for that last five to 10 pounds. Um, So it's just that 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 understanding that reality that mm-hmm. what you've done in the past might not necessarily be enough to move forward. But Sarah, you, you are crushing it. Yeah, like thirty pounds in like you've gone eight from eight months. She yeah, says. Yep. you've gone from two ten to one eighty. That is so freaking awesome! Like so awesome. Just allow. And I did she even say like she's in this for the long haul? Yeah, like, she right, said she like, wants to be healthier in ten years than she beautiful. is. Beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah. If, Sarah you're doing it. You're doing it. Just keep doing what you're doing. Stay consistent. Realize that there's going to be ups and downs along the way. Same thing with the process of anything that we're doing. Everything that we're doing to try to create something great is not going to be, Rome was not built in a day. It takes a lot of work and effort and it's going to take a long time as well. Um, But stay, you know the word, stay consistent. And then, recognize what it is that you can do if you really decide that you want that next step. If Mm. you want to lose the next 20 pounds, just like you did, it's the same thing that you did in the beginning. You made a choice that I'm going to change something in my life. Now, whether that was I'm going to go to the gym five days a week or I'm no longer going to eat processed foods or I'm going to do macros, there was... You don't get to where you are, Sarah, without some big change. But guess what? To go to the A next place, change. you need to do it again. Yeah. You need to do that thing again if you decide it's something you really, really want. If not, then this is the new norm and this is where you hang out and that's cool. But if you want to lose another 30, the same practice that got you to here, if it truly has plateaued out for an extended period of time, will not get you to the next 30
0: of that. Uh, recover bucket. This is from Nicole. I'm an elementary school music teacher, meaning I teach an entire school of five hundred six six to eight-year-olds. Good, good thank good job. Uh, and, have, and have a 14-month-old in daycare. Between those two things, I've really struggled to stay healthy, fighting off virus after virus. I feel like I've literally, literally been sick in one way or another for six months, especially after the extended COVID lockdowns. We eat a relatively healthy, balanced diet and consistently get eight plus hours of sleep each night. Because of all the sickness, my workout schedule has really tanked because I just don't have the energy. I'm not sure if I should power through it or continue to work out or if I should rest. On top of that, I wonder if you have any tips to stay healthy. And at this point, I will try anything. Huh. I'm sure.
1: Cool. Okay. If you're going to try anything, I'm going to give you two things. I was going to keep this really tactical because there's a lot we could talk about with this. Um, two things. The first one is go get a blood test. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to know if you have a vitamin deficiency. So if you're continually getting sick, maybe you don't, I'm right. You can film get an exhaustive blood test. Not through your um, not through your primary care, because they're just gonna go like, okay, your vitamin D levels are fine, your cholesterol is fine. Get an exhaustive, like through like an inside tracker or something like that. Um, second one is I don't think that you should power through this. I don't think you should up your workout schedule. I don't think that you should try to sleep more. Eight and a half hours is great. Um, I think anything more is just gonna make you more tired, honestly. Yeah. Um, maybe sleep quality could be measured, but that's not the second tactical one. The second tactical one is, um, try doing a sauna practice mm-hmm. three to four days a week. mm mm-hmm. There's s- studies that show it might be one of the more effective ways to fight off viruses. Interesting. Think of what happens yep. when you get the flu. Yep. When you get You're, the flu. The, yeah, the what people don't ever realize is that fever is actually the good. That's exactly thing. right. Yeah. Your body is increasing its body temperature to kill off the viruses. Yeah. You can supplement that with none of the bad effects of the flu, yeah. but also with a host of good effects as well. It's called hormesis, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a good stress on the body. Mm-hmm. So three to four days a week of uh, over, depending on what if it's infrared over 165, if it's traditional sauna, we'd like to see that closer to 180 and we'd like to get you past 20 minutes um, and that's 20 minutes from when it's already hot, not 20 minutes of like uh, step in. Yeah. Step in or like and turn on, step yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and don't start there. Start where it's comfortable to where you want to come back tomorrow. You're excited about it. If it gets uncomfortable, your heart rate starts going. Just get out. Um, 10 minutes at those temperatures in the beginning is phenomenal. We want to work our way up over the course of three, four weeks to that 20 minute mark.
0: Love that. Cool. Last question we've got from our listeners is in our connect bucket. And this is from Hilda. Can you talk about chasing excellence and mindfulness in parenting? A lot of parenting questions. I (laughs) just said that on purpose. I have a one-year-old and a two-year-old and struggling to be calm and mindful parent. What approaches do you recommend? I'm reading, I think this is a book, Raising Good Humans Now. And I've realized that I'm not the parent I want to be yelling and losing my shit more often than I want to admit. My husband owns a personal training company. So he works early mornings until late nights and wake up And wake up in bedtime shifts are on me most days of the week.
1: All the sympathy. Yeah, like super challenging. Uh, um, I find bedtime particularly to be the most challenging Mm -hmm. um, because it's like, I need to get to sleep. Please, nothing go wrong. Uh, So doing that solo um, is tough, super tough. Uh, The kids are also not old enough that you can really like rationalize with them no not at all. There's so um there's basically like three different versions of the brain. I'm gonna talk about there's like the dinosaur brain, the lizard brain, yep. and the um the human brain. Yep. Uh Mike Casu uh wrote about this recently in one of oh, his cool. um things it's I think it's super cool. And you're dealing with dinosaurs.
0: 100 mm-hmm. <laughs> percent Yeah
1: yep. like it's just all like uh they just need like all the basic instinctual human things so If they're upset, they're going to be upset until you do your mom thing, which is like coddle and make them feel okay. And that's exhausting because you can't just like multitask it. You can't be preparing dinner and go like, like little Johnny, it's okay. It's okay. Like, and talk them through it. Like you could an adult, like what seems to be the problem? Or ask a question to
0: understand. exactly.
1: (laughs) So all the sympathies, this is a real, a real, real challenge, um, the way that I, and also like I can totally uh, relate to reading the book. I recently uh, read, I'm actually not all the way through it. We're reading it together with my wife, Hunt, Gather Parents. I've heard that book. Very yeah. cool book. We might have talked about it on this podcast. I don't remember, but. But very cool. I think it sounds like it's just, it seems like the same thing. Cause as I'm reading, I'm like, I'm not the parent I want to be. <laughs> I lose my shit too much. Yeah. I'm not as calm as I want to be. And I feel as though I'm like a fairly calm parent. Yeah. But when you get measured up against these super parents who usually are in developing countries ironically enough um you're like oh my god they have it so so this is actually what one- don't compare like you might be doing better than you think you are but when you put yourself up against those um elite parents you go oh my god i'm wrecking this and all of a sudden it's like it compounds upon itself, mm-hmm. right? I'm stressed and now see, I'm not good at this and I'm nowhere near where those parents are. And how come I can't do it like they did in the book? And that just makes it worse. So, the first thing I would say is just like anything, relax and be present. The next one would be can you just carve out any time for yourself? Mm-hmm. Because usually that's the thing that um, really compounds is when you don't have any time for It's the same thing with like a relationship, right? If there's no time for you to work on you and you're always working on the relationship, you can't fill from an empty cup. You need to work on you so that you are ready to be there for your kids. That doesn't mean just like, So you're healthy and fit and all that and clear mind. It's like literally, so you can do the things that you like. Do you like pottery? Do you like writing? Do you like shooting baskets? Like, do you want to like go to? um, uh, uh, Are you a dancer? Like, go do those things. So when you're with your kids, you're like, you you, you're not like see like you it it falls into the victim thing of this my this is so hard. How come I can't do this? You have that semblance of like, um, I have some fulfillment in my life. I can have some level of peace and calm and I am doing the pursuit that sets me on fire. Yeah. I would add just one
0: thing and it feels like maybe strange to say, because obviously I don't know the situation, but Hilda says at the end, my husband owns a personal training company. So he works early mornings until late nights. If he owns the personal training company, he's got more control over his schedule than he probably recognizes. And he should probably look at himself and ask himself why have I left Hilda to do the two hardest parts of the day? Oh, Which is you get are the door. sending
1: Hilda. Out I am selling Hilda on, on the that she has, path.
0: she has my here permission. Here is your
1: spear. Here is your shield to
0: have a very difficult conversation about why she's the only one doing it. I love that actually, because because that ultimately is the to your point. Well, where is she going to get that space? Mr. Helda needs to step up and say, I can be home at seven o'clock for bedtime or six o'clock for bedtime. I can figure out how to run this business so that I'm not. Here's
1: the thing though, is like, um, when he comes home, it's not just him. Mm-hmm. It's it can be both of you guys because he's done his thing all day totally. long too. But it's reducing like the stress fifty percent would com- be oh completely massively completely. completely held up massive. See, you're using massive. the word too. There you go. We'll get back to our show in just a minute, but first a quick word of thanks to our sponsor this week. You can to get through a tough long workout. We need a few things. We need grit, resilience, fortitude. We need fueling, but not just any fueling. We can't sugar and caffeine our way through the long, hard training sessions. And unfortunately, that's what many of the energy products out there rely on. But not you can. You can's completely different. It uses steady release carbs that maintain stable blood sugar levels and allow you to sustain peak performance. That's why this is my go-to when I'm doing the really long stuff, where I'm doing one of those like Ironman type training sessions. I'm doing the hour-long plus things. You need stable blood sugar that goes long, long, long. This is the go-to for me. So if you're looking for more energy with less sugar, give UCAN a try. Head to UCAN.co slash excellence and save 20% off your first order. Use the code excellence. Again, the letter U-C-A-N dot C-O slash excellence.
0: We're going to move into our work out our central question. You sent me a text the other day. You said, let's talk about stress. Huh. <laughs> I said, okay, cool. Let's talk about stress. So I made a note to talk about stress. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, I want to tee it up with our mutual friend, E.C. Sinkowski. Um, she was just on the show a few weeks ago. She's got this, she, you know, the Consistency Project, which is the podcast we do. It started with just the th- thing she put together, which is like, here are four things to check off uh, and it's like, you know, it's protein, it's vegetables, it's did you work out today? I think there's a sleep thing. But all of it is kind of centered on like, can these things will help you reduce your stress? Hmm. And we've, you know, she's been on the, the the podcast before. So we kind of talked about why stress was an important factor to her and why maybe stress wasn't part of the five factors that we talked about, at least not specifically. So I'm going to just kind of put that on the table. I don't know exactly where we're going to go with this conversation, but. Um, but I just wanted to kind of maybe start there with like we don't really talk about stress that often.
1: We certainly talk around it a lot. Yeah. But we never actually really like stare at it and talk about it. Yeah, so why is it not the six factors? Exactly. Why is stress yep. not that last yep. one? And the um so let's start with that. The reason it's not one of those is essentially it's so let's I'm I'm excited to talk about like kind of the through the science of it. Yeah. It's um it's what all of the other factors are working against or towards, right? The reason we have these ones is because each of them affect your stress levels. If we are sleeping well, we have less stress. If we have um, good um, um, physiology from the movement we've done, we experience less stress. If we um, are thinking well, we have less stress. So that's why it's not the six factors. It's because It's, it's the thing that we're battling against and people can kind of, um, understand this when you go like, dude, this guy worked out every single day, ate clean, and he still got X, Y, Z, this chronic disease. He still got, um, heart disease. He still had cancer. He still had, um, whatever this thing was. And it's like, where did that come from? And what you, that's is the reason for the five. You need those five. There are two others that matter a lot, but we don't talk about them that much because they're kind of, and that is environment. So both like exposure to toxins. So whether it's through the products that you use or what's in the air, um, radiation or plastics or anything like that. And the next one is your, just the cards you were dealt in your DNA. So putting those aside, the reason we talk about the five factors is because they're behavioral. Well, stress is not behavioral. Mm-hmm. And that's why these are the five factors that you can do every single day to improve your resiliency against stress. Now, the first part is recognize that stress is a part of everyday life and that there are two types of stress. There is, we already talked about this, there is yep. hormesis yep. or e-stress, E-U, yep. stress. I was trying to say eustress. But eustress, maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah. maybe it isn't. Whichever it is, yep. Yeah. You you poked a hole in my (laughs) facade. I don't know what. Yes, I don't know how to pronounce anything. Um, Which is the healthy forms of stress, and this is where things have really come to light in the last decade or so of like things like um, cold exposures and sauna. um, You know, sauna. The reason for that, what happens is you um, there are um, heat shock proteins. Basically, in your um, in your body, there's all these different proteins that can end up folding on top of themselves, and this goes through. Things like fasting is one of those where it goes and you create this stress on your body, which is actually a chance for it to create this autophagy where it goes up and cleans up all the cells. So there is good stress and there's bad stress. The easy way to differentiate between the two is whether it is chronic or acute, mm. Just like if you sprain your ankle, there is some swelling, some inflammation. Well, that actually is a good, that's a that's a, an acute thing. It goes, it's big, it's in the moment, you feel it, and all of a sudden then it goes away. That's, a, that's an acute thing. And that healing process is really healthy for you. It's funny that people, we talked about this and the other, but yeah. people ice it to try to mitigate it. And that's actually not doing yourself any favor. It's actually hurting the whole process that your body's trying to heal itself. Different conversation. <laughs> um, but what we don't want to do is have chronic inflammation. Chronic inflammation is where there's this underlying, it was on Time Magazine way back in the day when Barry Sears and the Zone Diet mm-hmm. and this whole thing, like what the hell is silent inflammation? Remember those words and people are like, there, yep. oh my gosh, silent inflammation that's what this is. It's chronic inflammation where you don't, it's not like your ankle swelling up. You don't feel it necessarily, but it's building up slowly and slowly and slowly. And that's the bad kind of stress. And that's how it manifests. Now, what is super, super fascinating about stress is that you have trillions of cells on your body. Each of those cells is trying to desperately to figure out what's going on outside of your body. Mm-hmm. So it can respond appropriately. If you are um, being chased by a um, a really scary dog foaming at the mouth that you think might have rabies or something like that, you're sending a signal through your brain, to your central nervous system, to all of those cells saying, guys, forget about all the other work that you were doing. It's time to freaking go. And what you're doing is you're switching from that parasympathetic nervous system to the sympathetic nervous system. You're going from rest and relax, rest and repair, rest and digest, over to fight, flight, activate, time to go, I gotta run as fast as I can, or turn around and get ready to kick this thing in the neck, right? What happens is when that when that's going on is your body is going, hey, all of those things that you were doing, like fighting off the pathogens and the disease and not letting cancer cells kind of do their thing, that's what your body is constantly doing all the time when it's in rest and repair. Mm-hmm. That's the parasympathetic. When you're chill, when you're chill, your body is a phenomenal machine at keeping you healthy. It's awesome. It's create like you can watch this like i i encourage people to do this because it's fascinating google like t cells fighting off invaders and you can literally see it's like little you're inside your body is these little pac-man cells literally going through finding bad invaders and eating and gobbling them up and the crazy thing is the invaders run away mm. this is happening all the time in your body it's so cool and fascinating to see But what happens is when it's time to run away from that dog, those things go, whoa, whoa, whoa! forget about that thing. That little triage. Yeah. Yeah. This is way more important. All hands on deck to your battle stations. (laughs) It's like all the soldiers on an army base. They're cooking the meals. They're digging holes. They're fueling. Exactly. Fueling the trucks. (laughs) When they get under attack, all of the normal work stops and it's all hands on deck to go do this thing. This is what stress does. Mm -hmm. So when you are stressed, if it's acute, like the dog chasing you, no big deal, really efficient system, run away from the dog and then cool, relax. And we go back to this. The problem is with the stress that we have in our world now, it's no longer acute, it's chronic. Mm -hmm. And because it's no longer this momentary thing, it's all the time the job's not getting done anymore. We're not fueling and fixing the trucks. We're not cooking the meals. We're not building the bases and mending the fences. We're just literally always at the gun stations, like like shooting bullets when there's no enemy Mm -hmm. and nobody's doing anything. How long can that base survive with nobody doing the everyday work? You need to do the everyday work. So this is the understanding that... All of those stresses that we feel that's built into you biologically to respond to them like it's life or death, but they're not. Things like somebody saying something bad about you on social media. Your body wants to respond to that like it's a, this is very important, Patrick. You got to fix this. Like, Fight or flight, go fix this thing. Because if people are saying something bad about you, what that means is you're going to get kicked out of the tribe. They don't like you. They're not going to find you valuable, useful. They're going to think that you are a dissenter. They don't think that you are provide any value to us whatsoever. They're going to kick you out. And now you're going to be in the woods and you're going to die getting eaten by the saber-tooth tiger. Well, that's ridiculous. That doesn't exist anymore. Same thing with like your boss attacking you. That's the leader of the tribe going, Patrick, you're not pulling your weight. If you don't pull your weight, well... You might get demoted, you might get fired from the job, but that most cases, again, isn't even a life or death situation. Most of us are not struggling for the next meal or the shelter over our heads. Those are the lowest levels of the of hierarchy of needs. That's the true human stressors. That's you running away from the dog. It's a life or death. Your body is going to respond. Again, interpret the environment, is there something here that is really important that I need to fight off right now? If you say, if your body interprets that, it's gonna send a signal to every single cell in your body that stop what you're doing. It's time to go and fight that thing. Mm-hmm. When that happens, here's the whole punchline. When you switch over from the sympathetic, from the parasympathetic rest and repair, remember, everyone's doing their job, we're making the body do its thing over to that battle stations. One of the things that they leave when you go away from this, when you leave is your immune system. Mm -hmm. The immune system no longer functions the way it's supposed to. So now all those little invaders, if it was to fight off the dog for 35 seconds, no big deal. That's like battle stations. Okay, cool. We got them. Let's go relax. Let's go back and have a chow right? But instead, you're just hanging out at the battle station. Your immune system is completely diminished. And now you, on a pathological, on a chronic level, those things that mirror those Pac-Man, they're no longer doing their thing and fighting those guys. This is where sickness and disease mostly arises from. It's not necessarily just eating fast food instead of your salad greens. It's not necessarily just sitting on the couch, not doing CrossFit or triathlon. It's not necessarily just sleeping eight and a half hours versus pushing the midnight oil. It's the it's our interpretation of our environments, and if we have the capacity, the ability to recognize, okay, this thing that seems so important right now is not. Quite white it really and really it's like can you just recognize that this thing in the moment that wants to cause this The instead of like um a stressor being i think of it in terms of like uh, beads like uh pearls on a necklace well if those pearls are touching each other if they're touching each other that's just you're in this you're in this chronic state of stress it's okay to have the stress as long as they're stretched out enough, the space in between where your body can go do its normal stuff again. Mm-hmm. So if you have um, a, a time at work where you need to be up until one in the morning, try to get that blog post in or finish that chapter or edit that video and you know, and your wife is kind of like, why aren't you helping with the kids? And it's this really stressful thing. Well, you know that that's not life or death, but it's also okay that you're stressed. Mm-hmm as long as we're able to go back to chill mode for a very prolonged period of time where you get back to the rest repair. The danger is when you go from that one big stressor and immediately into the next one, the next one, the next one, and the next one. So there's a lot of ways that we can try to mitigate against this, right? But the number one thing, again, like we always talk about, yes, we can take the action. Yes, we can create an intentional plan around that. The number one thing is the awareness Right now of this conversation and this perspective of, whoa, this is why stress is so, it's kind of like, you understand why processed foods are so bad. You're more likely not to eat processed foods. If you're just kind of like out there in the universe, like eat healthy versus not, you're like, okay, but what the fuck? Like, it doesn't really matter. But if it's truly like, this is why, and you understand the mechanisms of why, if you have the awareness and the mechanisms of what is happening when you are stressed, over and over and over again, then you start to realize what this can manifest as and what you can do to mitigate against it. And now you start to think about like all those like, wow, yeah, that guy was, yeah, he was um, super like proactive. He was like the CEO of the company. He got up super early every morning to work out. Man, he seemed like he was eating super healthy. seems like he was doing all the right things, but yet he, had, well, how much stress did he have his life? Yeah. We got to recognize that you being able to chill, calm, is as important as the leafy greens and the thrusters and the pull-ups and the eight and a half hours of sleep.
0: I don't know if this metaphor is gonna it can be stretched too too thin, but what popped in my head is the idea of like recognizing the difference between processed stress and natural stress, in the same mm-hmm. way we think yeah, about yeah, whole cool. unprocessed foods versus yeah. processed foods. A lot of that stress, a lot of that kind of the stuff that builds towards that chronic, to your point, is like it's process stressed. It's it's not real, but we're interpreting it as real. Just like our so, body can, can it, it can take. I do It is
1: real. It is. It is real. Just yeah. not to the magnitude that we yes. think it is. Right. So your boss saying, um, Patrick, your last performance was way under par. Um, we need to, you to um, shape this up, or we're not. Gonna, you're not going to have a place here. That's a real stress. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pretend it's not. But it's not to the magnitude that we want to go with. Mm-hmm. And if we keep on telling ourselves our story of how in how. This is a life or death thing. You were playing in to that fallacy, which is not leading us down the healthiest path.
0: All right, we are gonna jump straight down into our cool down. Our cool down is just when we uh, give ourselves five or 10 minutes to have some fun. We're gonna do, we've done this a handful of times, to do kind of a recommendation roundup. So things, shows, podcasts, books, Activities, whatever has been kind of like giving you a little bit of joy and a little bit of happiness um, and that you'd want to recommend for other folks. So uh, I will go first. I'll give a couple and then I'll give you a break and, and let you go after that. So a couple books that I've been reading that I like, I've mentioned one of them, at least previously, Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel mm. is really, really good. Cool. Um, and oddly enough, and I read these two books back to back, which of course made me think like, gosh, these things are related. Um, but a book called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. Have you read this? No, but Dan, uh, it's really, uh, Dan really... read it. Talk, tell me yeah, about it. Yeah. yeah really, 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 seems
1: really in line with like our message and
0: both books are wildly successful and i just and the idea is we
1: are alive for four thousand four thousand weeks
0: is the the average amount of weeks that we all have and so understanding how to to to, well first just like face that and recognize it um and then next thing is uh jonathan hate height i think height jonathan height he's a social psychologist have you read like he wrote he's written a, a couple books the happiness hypothesis uh, the coddling of the American mind. And there was one in between there that I'm forgetting. I haven't actually read any of his stuff. though. I, I'm excited to dive into it, but he was on an episode of Tim Ferriss recently. Mm. Um, recently it's probably like a month or two ago. Cause by the time I caught it. Um, but so that interview itself was really, really interesting. And then he just started a Substack called life after Babel, which, um, he is using to, uh, write his next book on he's a social psychologist. So he's looking at um, basically like what's going on in the world. <laughs> and yeah. he focuses a lot on social media, the rise of social media, the rise specifically of social media on phones and its effect on particularly youth kind of teenagers mm-hmm. into, into uh, college age. Oh, yeah. Soap your so wheelhouse. it's really, really interesting. Um, and then the last thing I will recommend, which sounds odd, but, uh, but it's so, I, Uh, Kelly and Juliette Sturette coming out with a new book called uh, Built to Move. And so I've read it. We're going to have them on um, soon. And one of the chapters in that book is on walking.
1: Oh my gosh. talked about walking before. That's the one that kind of got me.
0: Yeah. And so I'm making the last couple of weeks since reading the book, I've made a really concerted effort to walk
1: more, which to me- I'm so excited to talk to him about that because it was so, walking is not what I thought thought necessarily walking was. Yeah. So that sounds weird. I'm
0: super excited to talk to them. But so to me, like literally I will now, if I haven't gotten, my goal is like 9,000 steps a day. If I haven't gotten that by the time the kids are asleep, I go into the garage and I get on the treadmill and I walk until I hit it. And let me t- like one, I'm just happy to be doing, we talked about this during the, the 12 hour walk conversations we've had, like my life is not built up for built for walking. And I want to change that. But on top of it, I found I'm sleeping so much better. Cool. So, like, and it's like literally, like, when I started aiming for nine thousand, my sleep started getting much better. Wow. Yeah. That's so. Crazy. Walk walking more.
1: Okay. Uh, a book that I've read for the I'm I'm reading right now for the second or third time and is one of my favorite books. My favorite business books is um, Never Lose a Customer Again. Got it. Have you read it? No, really. No. Never. Okay. Um, I think it's Joey Coleman. Okay. Um, super I've cool. heard of it. I've just never read it. Super cool because it walks through, like it speaks to like my language, right? Which talks to like the emotional yep. part of the buying process and how to meet people where they are at each stage in the buying process through a variety of different channels, email, in person, phone, all the, all the rest. So um, I'm now reading it for the second or third time. And I um, it's always so cool when you read a book for the second or third time because you pull so much other yep. stuff out of it.
0: Do you read the um, same copy, like so you can see your notes and your underlines from it, or, does uh,
1: it, or are you like I'm actually listening? This to one's it, I'm different. listening to. It. Okay, so yep. it's different. <laughs> yeah, uh, and um, another book that uh, reading is I don't know if we've talked about this, but this is like uh, the Elegant Universe. Hmm? Brian Greene. No, I don't even know who Brian Greene is. Okay, so it's, um, so it's the idea of like there was um, um, Newtonian physics. Right, which is like gravity. Then there was Einstein, Einsteinian, which is E equals MC squared, and the theory of relativity, and then now it's this new approach, which is called string theory. Mm-hmm. And it, when you uh, talk about like all the different things that in the universe and how it works, it, it's it's so what? It's crazy. It doesn't seem to. Basically, when you get down to it, this, the, when we get down to the quantum mechanics, basically the way that if I could just like sum it up, everything falls apart. Mm-hmm. Like nothing <laughs> stacks up. Like there's- Like nothing well, makes sense? Yes. It's really, it's basically that. Um, and we can actually, it'd be cool to like, and I it wouldn't, because it would just show my, my, how low level of understanding <laughs> I actually have this. But me and you should have a conversation, you and I should have a conversation offline about this because it is why. So a really kind of cool, simple example. Nothing travels faster than the speed of light, Mm -hmm. right? Um, What happens with the speed of light though is, so imagine um, I throw a baseball to you at 20 miles an hour. Well, if you, this is the theory of relativity. If you walk towards that baseball at five miles an hour, that baseball is coming at you at 25 miles an hour, right? Mm -hmm. If you walk away from it at five miles an hour, that baseball is now going 15 miles an hour. Makes total sense. It'll, It'll get you faster. It'll get you slower, depending on how fast you're walking. Light does not do that if you walk towards light it knows how fast you're walking and slows down similar to that if you walk away from it it speeds up light speed is constant it's not relative to the point where if we're both looking at the same light beam i'm on a train going at it at a thousand miles an hour you're on uh, uh you're on the the um the platform staring at it not moving it gets to us at the same time it slows down for me and does not for you yeah how does that (laughs) i have no idea yeah so it's um what's the book called again the elegant universe the elegant universe so cool fun kind of other
0: yeah that's out
1: there cool uh, anything else (laughs) uh I've gotten back into a little bit into Tom Billie's podcast, oh, yeah. Impact Theory.
0: Yeah, I haven't listened from it for, away from that for a yeah, while right.
1: Is is kind of one of the first podcasts I ever listened yeah, to. Yeah. Um, And what you realize is uh, how ridiculously phenomenal of an interviewer he yeah, is. It's, he's always, I, yeah, He's unbelievable. hundred percent. He's really, really good. So uh, it's totally in line with anybody that listens to this would would appreciate. Um, totally. You'll probably listen to him and be like, "Oh my gosh!" Yep, it's called Chase Impact Impact Did you say that? Impact, Impact theory, theory. Yeah. Yep. Um, He's he's a phenomenal phenomenal interviewer and um, just listening to himself he does AMAs ask me anything he's he's a wealth of knowledge himself and what's so cool is he has so many high performers on um, even in the world of nutrition that all have different ideas some are keto some are vegan some are carnivore and he doesn't he never goes well this is my take he mm-hmm. just like lets them say the thing and lets the audience me you decide what's the best thing. He mm-hmm. just asked the really good pointed questions. But that was also cool is he does his own things where he has his own take, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And it's cool. He's been exposed to so much of this that it's really interesting to hear his takes on it. Yeah, he things. synthesizes things. He synthesizes it very, very well.
0: Yeah, yeah. cool. Great, good recommendation because like you, I've also slipped away from from him. So I'll check him out again. Cool. Thank you, Ben. Thank you everybody there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. If you have a friend who might like this show, this episode, please send them a text message. Tell them you were thinking of them. That'll help new folks find the show, which makes Ben and I happy. So thank you in advance. Ben and I will be back next week